welcome to Australian Women Preach, a podcast that aims to raise women's voices in preaching the gospel. Our intention is to model the church we want to be, inclusive, diverse and welcoming. Brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church and The Grail in Australia. McElroy works as Group Mission Integration Manager, Formation and Ethics at St Vincent's Health Australia and leads their national response to modern slavery. Before this, she worked with Jesuit Social Services and as a secondary school teacher in Melbourne. Pip has completed a Master of Theology and was a participant in the Young Catholic Women's Interfaith Fellowship. She enjoys running on the beach and reading books with her nephews. Hello, today I'm reflecting on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, 27 to 38. In February of 2021, Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced a review into workplace culture at Parliament House after Brittany Higgins had made known her horrendous treatment by a male colleague in a ministerial office. In apologising to Ms Higgins and conceding that the government had mishandled its response, the Prime Minister invoked his daughters. He explained that he'd spoken with his wife the previous evening and that she had said, you have to think about this as a father. What would you want to happen if it were our girls? The comment attracted much criticism and hashtag not just a daughter started to trend on Twitter. People felt it shouldn't be necessary to call on your own experience of being a father to daughters and your deep desire for your own daughter's safety and well-being to be capable of a compassionate response to another human being, one who you didn't know personally. I understand this. Too many times women haven't been believed. Too many times the response has not been adequate. In an ideal world, every individual has the deepest desire and capacity to uphold and protect at all costs the dignity of another, whether they know them, whether they know people like them, or whether they have heard of people like them or not. However, In reality, I think we call on our imagination in this way very often. We call to mind our past experiences in order to help us navigate new experiences. We hark back to a previous time, a familiar story or a helpful maxim when all seems chaotic and unclear. We remember the raw reactions of a friend and what support they needed at a challenging time when we encounter similar pain in another. Philosophers say we attempt to make sense of every new thing through something that we already understand, something we have already made sense of. So while I understand the pushback and see that there are multiple reasons why people might have been dissatisfied with the Prime Minister's comment, it was with some disappointment that I observed it being rejected. For if we treated everyone who comes across our path with the same respect, dignity and love, 
that we wish for those closest and most special to us. Imagine how that might transform our society. In today's gospel, we encounter God's indiscriminate mercy and limitless love. We are called to make sense of it, radical as it is. In the most quoted part of this passage, Jesus says, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Just when Jesus' disciples might have thought that the Beatitudes were radical enough, he raises the bar. In this innovation, this expression of the call to the highest form of charity, Jesus also raises the bar for all of us. He calls on us to resist the urge to meet wrongdoing with wrongdoing. And he signals to his followers that God's boundless mercy calls us to complete nonviolence, non-retaliation, even to love those who mistreat us. Dr. David Neville states that the precise command, love your enemies, is distinctive to Jesus and therefore widely accepted as authentic. It is set against the ruthless inhumanity of the Roman Empire and it forms a challenge beyond the ancient Mosaic law. Jesus' command is tradition-dependent but breaks out of the limitations of the tradition. It displays moral courage. It is deliberate and precise, direct and clear. Pope Francis has referred to this gospel message as the Christian innovation, the Christian difference. For Jesus, doing good to those who hate you means acting for the welfare of others in imitation of God's generous goodness. This sits at the heart of Jesus' ethic of peace, his teaching of nonviolence that many draw inspiration from for their own peaceful struggles. This ethic of peace is so challenging, so radical, we may naturally resist it. The way of Jesus is the way of generosity and all-embracing love that calls us to open our hearts for the whole human family, not just those we already respect, already admire and already love, but even those who we dislike, who we feel we cannot respect, even those who curse us. Perhaps it's the most challenging road because it's the most revolutionary one. We might prefer to cross this road in haste and head home to more important pursuits like many well-meaning others before us. And yet the refrain of the 1960s hymn, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love, rings in the ear again. The measure of Jesus is love without measure. We are called to take the road of what Pope Francis calls the only legitimate kind of Christian extremism, the extremism of love the extremism of charity. In Ignatian spirituality, we are taught that through relationship with Jesus, we come to be free from that which scares us, what we're hung up on, the roadblocks that inhibit our flourishing. God calls us to achieve freedom from unhealthy attachments in our lives so that we can live fully, unburdened and wholeheartedly. 
We may be hung up on resentment, seeking out a way to take revenge on another when wrong has been done to us, when we have been hated, cursed or abused. We may be red in the face with anger or shaky with the feeling of agitation or overcome by a sense of injustice. How dare they, we might say, and that is a natural reaction. And yet, God wants us to use our energy on love and generosity, not hate and meanness. God doesn't want us to be held captive by bitterness. There's too much good that needs to be done. We know that forgiveness sets joy free in our hearts. When we are free, we can be our most whole selves and that which we most desire unfolds before us. There is space to cultivate our gifts and talents in new ways to fully and wholeheartedly take up our part in the creation of the kingdom. So as Jesus raises the bar of our humanity with this command, love your enemies, still we need his help to reach it. Our imagination allows us to call on the mystery of God's grace. We call on our imagination, the divine gift that it is, to help construct a way of being that goes beyond how the world usually works and to achieve a love of our enemies. How might Jesus see this person who has so wronged me? Does God gaze on them with the same bountiful love that we are all graced to receive? We are not escaping life through imploring our imagination We are owning our place in helping to build a community such that God might recognise it. A community where we are all worthy, where we are all loved. Loving our enemies, even praying for them, will require us to ask for this grace in our own prayer. We may find ourselves asking God for the strength to love those who persecute us all the while feeling like it's an unrealistic request. But all the while we know that it is not impossible. We know that achieving the freedom to choose generosity in response to mistreatment or injustice will come from our own experience of being just such beneficiaries of the boundless compassion of Christ. Embracing wholeheartedly what Bishop Vincent Long calls an upside-down, inside-out ethics of the kingdom, a discipleship of humility, vulnerability, compassion and powerlessness is part of our call as Christians. We are called to witness to this extravagant divine generosity. In this call, we risk being seen to be fools because by adopting a fundamental attitude of peace and extreme charity, We are not abiding by the standards of the world. We might be in it, but not of it. The world might interpret our response as weak and see us as the one who is defeated. However, Pope Francis says, to love and forgive is to live as a conqueror. And so as we soon prepare to enter the Lenten time of reflection, and the Easter season, we might call to mind how the extremism of love might show up in our lives, in our Christian discipleship. 
We are followers of the one who forgave those who drove nails into his hands and we strive to live as he did and seek what he sought. Martin Luther King Jr. said in the 1950s that the words of this text glitter in our eyes with a new urgency. Perhaps on Good Friday in 2022, when we hear Jesus on the cross utter the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, we might allow ourselves to be stopped in our tracks anew by the radical depth of divine generosity and love. You have been listening to Australian Women Preach, brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church, and The Grail in Australia. You can find out more about WATAC at watac.net.au and The Grail at grailaustralia.org.au. The music in this podcast is from the song Truth, from the album Into Silence, by songwriter, musician, theologian and teacher Danielle Ann Lynch. You can hear the full version on Spotify. Spotify.